0: election college episode 88 the petticoat affair and how nothing today is really that bad let's throw a political party face it the political scene sucks but did it always it's time for election college and class is in session Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith.
1: Ben. Yeah, Jason, how you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm pretty good.
0: Sometimes I think, you know what? Politics kind of sucks, but it's really not that bad, right?
1: I mean, in the opening of our show, I haven't... actually paid that closest attention to it in a while but don't we say something like politics suck or something like that and that's true but yeah like you said there there was some rotten stuff early on for sure
0: yeah and the good old days weren't always good and well if you're old they're good to, well yeah but i'm quoting billy joel here because he says <laughs> the good old days weren't always good and tomorrow isn't as bad as it seems but you know that's billy yeah. joel who is amazing. So <laughs> um, we covered way back in episode 15, I believe it was. We, were, we talked about Andy Jack, and we talked about him for a couple of episodes, and some people don't care for our nickname, Andy Jack, but that's who he is, Andrew Jackson, and he became kind of a firsthand witness, <laughs> should we say? Of one of the most controversial, I guess you could call it, scandals in early political history here in the U.S., and that was called the Petticoat Affair.
1: Yeah, and Andrew Jackson, or Andy Jack, wasn't even necessarily just a an onlooker. He kind of had a little bit to do with everything, too, at least as, well, you'll find out as we go here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, you also might know it as the Eaton Affair. Uh, Both the names were assigned, obviously, later after it happened. But yeah, Petticoat, Eaton Affair, you might hear us use either one, but they're interchangeable.
0: Yeah. So the key players in this episode, and we just want to make sure that we get the cast of characters right here. So we have Andrew Jackson, who was running for president, and he wins. He's from Tennessee. You've got... Peggy O'Neill Eaton who was also called Margaret O'Neill or Margaret Peggy Eaton or Peggy or Mrs. Eaton and then she'll go by another name later but we'll just say Peggy right?
1: Hey I've always wondered why our women named Margaret called Peggy I don't know I even asked a lady I know named Peggy why that was the case and she didn't know either
0: that is a weird one. And if you're Margaret, you can also be Maggie.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. I actually, I like Maggie.
0: Yeah. Is, is Margaret like the Robert of the female <laughs> genre? Because you can be, if you're Robert, you can be Bob, Rob, Robbie, and so on. Or Richard, mm-hmm. you can be Rick, Dick, Ricky, Richard, Ard.
1: It's basically like a choose your own name kind of thing.
0: I know. and uh, Well, I guess that's kind of a rabbit trail. But anyway, so Peggy. Peggy is the daughter of William O'Neill, who owned a boarding house called the Franklin House. And it was not only a boarding house, but also a bar in Washington, D.C. And she hung around this boarding house during her early days and got to know a lot of the influential people in Washington, D.C.,
1: yeah and she learned to play the piano she would play the piano there at the franklin house and the uh, future postmaster general william t berry we talked about him i think very briefly at one point mm-hmm. actually said there was a charming little girl who very frequently plays the piano and entertains us with agreeable songs so uh peggy was well known in, in dc and well known by a lot of influential people from a, a younger age as well and she was, however, kind of under some scrutiny, I guess you could say, because she worked in a bar. And in the 1800s, especially the 18, early 1800s, you know, women who worked in bars that were mainly frequented by men were kind of talked about.
0: Yeah. And keep in mind during this era, women couldn't vote and they were pretty much outside of politics altogether. And let's just face it, she was attractive. Uh, When she was old, she reminisced that while I was still in pantalettes and rolling hoops with other girls, I had the attention of men, young and old, and enough to turn a girl's head. So apparently a lot of people thought she was hot. I guess so. Uh, She
1: tried to elope several different times with multiple different people and no it didn't, didn't work out so when she was 17 which was in 1816 she got married to John Timberlake that's a long lost relative of Justin Timberlake i made that up and <laughs> uh, Timberlake was actually in the navy and he was 39 when he married 17 year old Peggy which again uh doesn't bode well for Peggy uh, he's also a drunk he's in debt Uh, Not not her best pick, probably.
0: Yeah, so you got John and Peggy. They're the happy couple, or at least they seem to be happy. And they got to be friends with John Eaton, and this was around 1818. So John Eaton was a wealthy 28-year-old widower. He was a senator. He had just been elected to the U.S. Senate. From Tennessee, which is kind of crazy because the Constitution says you can't become a senator until 30, but <laughs> somehow he gets in and he's a longtime friend of Andy Jack.
1: Yeah, so Timberlake, Peggy's husband, tells Eaton, um, Hey, I'm in debt and I got in most of this debt when I was in the Navy, which, you know, maybe that was true, maybe it wasn't. Eaton's like, Oh, well. You know, we should get the Senate to pass some legislation saying, "Hey, if you got any debts while you're in the Navy, they can be forgiven." They didn't oh, go man. for it, but eventually Eaton paid for Timberlake's debts. They're good friends, and he bumped him up in the military. He gave him a pretty good posting in the in the Navy, and everybody's like, "Huh, wonder why he did that." Maybe he's just trying to get rid of
0: him. So Timberlake becomes a member of the Navy Mediterranean squadron. And all kinds of people were like, oh, you're trying to do away with him so you can talk to Peggy. And this sounds a lot like a Bible story, doesn't it, Ben?
1: Yeah, like King David, maybe.
0: Yeah. So he totally sends Timberlake off to the Mediterranean and Timberlake dies.
1: I was just thinking about that Bible story now, and uh, we have a kid's Bible for my son, and we read to him, but I don't... It may be in there, but I don't think I've ever run across the story where the king uh, had a man killed so he could have a baby with his wife. I don't know.
0: That doesn't make it into the children's Bibles.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: (laughs) Anyway, totally off track Just in case you've only read a children's Bible, ladies and gentlemen... You might want to look up that story. It's yeah, rather unholy. So back back to the 1820s. Uh, You got Timberlake. He is dead. You got Peggy. She's a widow. And she's supposed to mourn for a little while. Like a couple of years.
1: Yeah. And to make things even worse, not only did Timberlake die, but there were some rumors that maybe Peggy had had an affair with Eaton. And maybe because of that affair, Timberlake had killed himself. Uh, it was actually uh, pneumonia, but, you know, that's beside the point when you're telling rumors and stuff.
0: Exactly. That does not fly. No. No. you got to be much more conniving <laughs> or have a theory <laughs> of something wascally going on. And yes, I did just say waskily. So Andy Jack, he's like, hey, Peggy, I like you. Hey, Eaton, I like you too, and despite you guys hooking up eight months after Timberlake dies i'm I'm one hundred percent loyal to you, and I'm gonna support you as a matter of fact, I'm gonna make you Secretary of War.
1: yeah, and really what they did there was nothing wrong with what they did uh you know they, they, they were neither one of them was married, and they wanted to get together, so they did, but you know. That's scandalous, especially in this day. Uh, It's scandalous even now, sometimes, but especially at that point when your husband dies off uh, in the military, you don't get married right away. But they did. And things got kind of interesting. And pretty much all of the wives of the political figures in Washington, John C. Calhoun, who was the vice president at this time, his wife, gets in on the discussions and the talks. All the cabinet members' wives start talking, and there's kind of this anti-Peggy group of women who are like, e- the Edens? Oh, we don't we don't know them. We're not going to talk to them in public at all.
0: Yeah, they're kind of trashy.
1: Mm-hmm. They got married.
0: Yeah. So an example of what would happen is you go and... Pay courtesy calls, right? Hey, Eatons, we're going to come to your house and say hey. And what would happen is they weren't invited to parties. The Eatons weren't. People would not pay courtesy calls on the Eatons. Uh, They wouldn't be received as guests. They wouldn't be invited to parties and other social events. So basically, If you're Peggy or if you are John Eaton, too bad. You're out of the social scene.
1: Yeah, so Andrew Jackson was kind of sympathetic to the Eatons. I don't know if you remember from when we talked about him back, like Jason said, I think episode 15, but Rachel, uh, Jackson's wife, had died, and she had actually been the subject of a lot of gossip and talk because whenever Jackson was running for president they called her out and said, hey, I don't think her first marriage was totally done before she married Andrew Jackson. And she got all stressed out and everything. And whether or not it was true, Jackson firmly believed that all of the things that were said to and about Rachel caused her to die. And she died just a couple weeks after he was elected to the presidency. So you can imagine that any kind of scandal that, or or non-scandal or whatever the case is, he would at least be sympathetic to it because he knows what it's like to have your wife attacked.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of an interesting twist on this whole thing because Emily Donaldson, she was the niece of Rachel. So Rachel being Jackson's wife who dies. Emily Donaldson is the wife of Jackson's confidant, Andrew Jackson Donaldson, who was actually serving as Jackson's surrogate first lady. So get this. Just to recap, Rachel Jackson, wife of Andy Jack. She dies because of all of the stress, allegedly. Emily becomes her replacement, and Emily is like, I hate Peggy. Peggy <laughs> needs to go.
1: Yeah, so he actually replaces her with his daughter-in-law, Sarah York Jackson, as, you know, like to accompany him places and go out and do the the social things. And oh, sides are getting split up even more and more. And so then, like Jason mentioned, Andy Jack appointed Eaton as his secretary of war. And he pretty much, well, at that point, everybody who was uh, on the anti-Peggy group kind of didn't have much to say because he was up high. But that didn't stop him from talking anyway.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> So you have in the fray Martin Van Buren. Now, he's the Secretary of State, right? And he is a widower, and he's the only unmarried member of the Cabinet. And he allies himself totally with the Eatons, which is a shrewd, shrewd political move. But he has to resign. He's forced out... So Jackson can reorganize his cabinet by asking for everybody else to resign. And the only person who remains in the cabinet, I almost said on the cabinet, who remains in the cabinet is the Postmaster General, William T. Berry.
1: And so because of that, Eaton gets taken away from Washington. Uh, First, he goes down. He's the governor of the Florida Territory. And then he gets named as the minister to Spain, so he's kind of out of the picture now. And then so Van Buren, Jackson's like, hey, uh, England, they need uh, you know an ambassador kind of figure person. How about you do that?
0: Yeah, but you've got John Calhoun, who whose wife really started the whole thing. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and call it. She started the whole thing. Calhoun gets the Senate to give Van Buren an unfavorable vote on his confirmation. So this, yeah, this act of retaliation by Calhoun elevates Van Buren in Jackson's eyes. And that's really one of the factors that Andy Jack is like, okay, I'm putting Van Buren in as my running mate for the 1832 election. Calhoun, just leave me alone. (laughs) And... Van Buren becomes the de facto heir to the presidency.
1: Yeah, and in fact, he does succeed Jackson in 1837. So here, you guys thought we were just here to talk about an affair, but nope. Comes back to elections. It always comes back to elections
0: somehow (laughs) or another. (laughs) So it gets even stranger, because John Eaton, right? He's got all the support with Andy Jack. But Eaton refuses to support Van Buren's reelection in 1840, and he's pretty much off the scene after that. So later on, Peggy and John go and live comfortably in Washington. Uh, They become members of the city's social elite, and John Eaton dies in 1856.
1: But never to be alone, Peggy in 1859 marries another guy who was an Italian music teacher Uh, He was a dancing teacher, a dancing master.
0: Named Antonio.
1: Yeah, his name's Antonio, so you know it's serious. And this time the roles are kind of reversed. She is 59, and he is anywhere between 19 and about 25. Later on, he takes Peggy's life savings, and her 17-year-old granddaughter runs off, and they get married and live in Italy and in New York City. And Peggy is left alone for like the 15,000th time.
0: Yeah, so she dies in 1879. And it just gets crazy with everyone else. I mean, Emily Donaldson, she's all friends with Mrs. Calhoun. After the Calhouns are out of the administration, she goes back to being Andy Jack's official hostess. She actually takes on those duties along with Sarah York Jackson. And then she goes to Tennessee, contracts tuberculosis and Sarah York Jackson serves alone as Jackson's hostess. And uh, yeah, Calhoun, he resigns as the VP and goes back to South Carolina. And in 1832, he gets the seat in the U S Senate runs for president. I think he runs for president like, 853 more times, right? Yep, pretty much. We'll probably talk about that in a future episode.
1: (laughs) It's pretty important to realize that this event shaped history in a way bigger way than it really needed to because of Jackson's alignment with everybody. It split people and people gossiped and people didn't like things. And it was so bad that Jackson later said, I would rather have live vermin on my back than the tongue of one of these Washington women on my reputation. So meaning, Ooh, ouch! I, I don't want them to talk about me. And granted, we have to admit, it was probably not just women talking. Men talk in a different way, but men gossip too. And so there's probably much different types of conversations happening. But certainly uh, women uh, at this time were seen in a different light than they are now, of course, and uh, they didn't have nice things to say about Peggy, and lots of crazy stuff happened that changed the course of history for, for it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, too, because think about it. You've got Jackson, who's a Democrat. You got Calhoun, who's a Democrat. Both of them are from the South, and there are some things that came out of the Jacksonian philosophy and the, I don't know, what do you say, Calhounian <laughs> philosophy? <laughs> but Calhoun goes back to South Carolina and becomes very much a states' rights advocate. He's always threatening to leave the Union for one reason or the other. Jackson is much more of the philosophy that you need to save the Union at all costs. Uh, Of course, Jackson isn't around to see the nation actually split up, uh, but you do have Calhoun playing a very key role in uh, later developments, whether indirect or direct. I'll let you be the judge of that, but kind of interesting because here they are both Democrats, both revered Democrats from the South, but two very different political philosophies.
1: Hey, Jason, have you ever seen The Gorgeous hussy? The movie.
0: I have not, but I need to. That is quite the name.
1: Yeah, apparently it's a a film about the Petticoat Affair. So anybody who wants to check that movie out and send us a review, have at it.
0: Yeah, because ain't nobody got time to watch movies right now.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know what else we don't have time for? To leave ourselves reviews, which also would be unethical. So we need you to do it for us. (laughs) Head on over to iTunes, if you don't mind, and leave us a review and a star rating. We would really appreciate that. It helps us out. It helps us uh, bump up in the charts. We were up pretty high in the history category this week, and that was nice. And uh, it helps other people know that, hey, they're not so bad. Or if you think we're bad, hey, they're pretty bad.
0: Yeah, but I tell you what, our hearts skip just a beat or two whenever we get a review. And they skip about 18 beats when you leave a five-star review. So thank you to all those who have taken the time to do that. And just a reminder that if you want to help support the podcast, again, we are not commercially driven, uh, but you can purchase things at Amazon.com and we get a little cut of that. You can do so by going to electioncollege.com slash Amazon. You'll be taken to the Amazon website and nothing is going to be different as far as how much you're going to pay for items. But we do get a little cut from that. So, again, thank you for all of you who have done that. Helps us keep the cost very low. (laughs) Your cost, that is. And uh, we certainly appreciate it.
1: And we love to connect with you. So, anyway, you can email smoke signal facebook twitter whatever let us know you like the show or that you don't like the show or that you've not listened to the show but somehow you still heard this message from me uh (laughs) we would love to (laughs) interact with you in whatever way shape or form we can and uh, it's always great to hear from people who uh, are impacted in some way by the show and that's a lot of fun for us
0: yeah anything else about the petticoat affair
1: i think not
0: all right well we'll see you next time Thanks, everybody.